The Marriage Project is a community organization that exists to educate a future generation while encouraging and inspiring hope for this one through the portrait of God's design for marriage. It is a collective of stories from couples spanning across the nation and globe to share with you the hope they have found in Jesus. This is a one-stop shop to hear how God has impacted each life here and to shine light and shed light on what our part is in his plan. Welcome to episode 25 of The Marriage Project. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guests. I have on Felicia and Josh Masonheimer. Scrolling through Felicia's accomplishments, it's so awesome how God is using her. Felicia has a background in theology and is the founder of Every Woman, a Theologian. She's also a gifted writer, best-selling author, wife, homeschool mama, host of the Verity Podcast, but most importantly, she is a disciple of Christ. Her latest book is titled Stop Calling Me Beautiful, Finding Soul Deep Strength in a Skin Deep World. And I'll let Josh give you guys his intro as I introduce them both to you. So you guys can go ahead and say hello and just tell us a little bit more about yourselves and if I left anything out. Thank you for having us, Alicia. Yeah, we are really blessed to be here. I do have a lot on my plate, but I'm only able to get it done because I have an awesome husband who has helped make it all possible. So Josh is my COO and CFO and much more. Do you want to share a little of what you do? Yes. Hello, my name is Josh and I come from a family of nine I have six sisters, the only boy, yes. (laughs) And uh, I was raised in a Christian home. You know, we are Christians because we're Christians, and that's what we are. (laughs) Um, I, you know, came out of that just kind of wondering, uh, you know, where I was with Christ. And, you know, definitely went down a road that, uh, you know, was darker, but I came back. And especially in time for meeting Felicia <laughs> at school. Yeah, that's, we met in college. So that's where our relationship started. So mm-hmm. yeah, we've been married seven years in a week, I believe. Oh my gosh. Yes, I saw that. I have, you guys are, your anniversary is on February 1st. Did I get that yes. right? Yep. That's so exciting. So happy early anniversary. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. Okay. So you said he's the COO. Do you, what, what is your job title, Josh? Do you work outside of that or do you help? Are you behind the scenes with Felicia's ministry? I, I just enable her to work her magic. <laughs> so, you know, we we had to find some titles for me. So, uh-huh. you know, I'm the That's chief it. operations manager and, you know, the financial officer. I keep our, you know, expenses and such up to date and... I also do child care and homeschooling, um, but don't spread the word because I know uh, child care is in high demand right now. <laughs> I just take care of my own. So about six months ago, he started um, or he resigned his full-time job as an operations manager for an outside company and came home to work with me on mm. my business. So it's now our business. And then we take turns homeschooling our kids. So we are homeschooling or running a home business <laughs> um, on our small farm in Michigan. So we're home a lot, COVID or no COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel you. It hasn't felt that different for me either. <laughs> Just home. Yeah. The only difference is social outings. 
or just like trying to get away from the house it's like (laughs) oh let's go out for coffee but no we can't sit anywhere (laughs) go for hikes like we have to sit in the car and enjoy our coffee i was gonna start on a fun note you guys kicked it off great but i was gonna ask you what is your go-to or ideal date night? I know that's probably far and few and in between right now, but I just like asking this question because it's just it's a fun one or maybe it'll spark something for someone else. <laughs> yeah, we discussed this last night, actually, when we were going over it. And, you know, it is actually COVID approved. We uh, had gluten-free Oreos over a puzzle last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. But that is not our favorite date night. That was what we were doing because our favorite, we really love to get out of the house probably because of being homeschool parents um, and we're with our little kids a lot. So we love to go skiing together. We live in Northern Michigan and there's three different ski resorts here. So going downhill skiing together is something that we really enjoy. But we also like to go out to eat um, as long as we have some sort of activity yeah, like dancing or skiing along with it. We found watching one another eat wasn't all that romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it sounds it's it's a good alternative, but not all the time. I have a confession too. I have never skied before. I'm in Southern California, and we have mountains, but I have yet to do that in my life, and I really want to. Oh, you just, should! It's super fun. Yeah, it looks fun. But okay, well, um, you guys touched a little bit on how you met. It sounds like it was in college. I read on one of your captions, Felicia, that you shared this in a post that you weren't attracted to each other at first. So what is that story? How did that or what changed? And just maybe like a his and her brief retelling of your meeting story and how it turned into saying I do. Yeah. So yeah, we'll try to keep this brief. Um, Basically, I moved down to Virginia to take a job at our alma mater, Liberty University. And I was interested in someone else and Josh was interested in someone else. So when we met, we were definitely not looking at each other as potential, you know, dates. I think that was a part of it, but also we were definitely not one another's type. So there was this like, oh, nice to meet you, whatever, probably for, what did you say? Like six months? Because we went on to date other people. Yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of a punk and she was kind of hoity toity. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he was like a gamer. And like, okay. the first time I saw him, he was wearing these green plaid shorts. And in February, by the way, we I met. I was on the way to the gym <laughs> in green plaid shorts. But I was wearing <laughs> this like floor length. What was I wearing? Was it your uh, quilted, <laughs> like down to your feet? coat <laughs> it looked like general robert e lee and, <laughs> and you like, had like your um bowler cap on oh i had this bucket hat that looked like what mary poppins wore and i had that that's what you're right i had that on um so da- i looked like i was 40 years old he looked like he was 15 the west wind brought her in yeah and and he was with a guy who I actually liked at the time. This is my roommate. His roommate. And so that's actually how we met was because I liked his roommate. His roommate didn't like me back. He was trying to pawn her off on me. Yeah, he's like, I'll pay you, Josh. He's like, I'll pay for your first date. (laughs) He never did. We got married. He never paid for the date. (laughs) If you're listening, you owe them (laughs) now. 
so yeah, that's how we met. Um, definitely we're not attracted at first, but I think as we, as I got to know him as a friend, we got to know each other as friends. I just really noticed that he cared about me as a person. Like he was the one guy I dated quite a few guys and he had his share of girlfriends, but he was the one guy who actually cared about me as a person, like what was going on in my heart, how I felt. And that wasn't something I was super in touch with. So it was really unique and special. And that's kind of how, how I started to be open to dating him. I caught you off guard with my insight. Yes. He was, he just knew, (laughs) he knew me better than I knew myself, which is kind of creepy, but also romantic. (laughs) There's a fine line. Yeah. Did you have like a moment where it sounds like it was gradual and then did you just finally ask her out, Josh? Yeah. Well, after I counseled her to break up with her current boyfriend, (laughs) uh, she went on a six month, uh, three month month sabbatical from or hiatus from dating. And that three months ran up on September 1st. And so I asked her out on September 1st <laughs> Yeah, and I, I definitely made the mistake of turning into like the whole nine yard proposal. Like there were rowboats, there were covered bridges <laughs> and sunsets and the rain was perfect. Like in the notebook. And- it's true. It was this, it was so over the top him asking me to be his girlfriend that his proposal actually was not as involved or <laughs> fancy as his, as asking me to be a friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say, was that when you proposed? But no, that was no, asking no. me to be no. girlfriend. <laughs> I just had too much free time. I made her like clamshell yeah. earrings and put them in a clamshell uh, homemade jewelry box. It's and- all, this is all true. Facts. <laughs> 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 I love that. Um, I know you have also tackled this topic on your podcast, um, Felicia, about this topic of marriage and it as a women's issue and their roles in marriage from a theological standpoint. So can you guys dive into that for us as we're entering into that part of your story? Marriage. Mm, okay. Big topic. Yeah. You, know, you probably have a whole episode like we did on just this topic. Yeah, we talked about the different sure. types of complementarian versus egalitarian. I mean, if we're just going to be honest, we kind of fall in between the yeah. two. We like to, you know, utilize the skills that we each have to their fullest capability. Yeah. And, and it, go ahead. So that why not like just let her do what she's good at and me what I'm good at and mm-hmm. we just complement each other with that in our marriage. So it it seems silly to try and repress something or suppress something if, uh, you know, somebody's good at that just for the sake of trying to keep her in her role. Yeah. And, and from a scriptural standpoint, what we discovered is as we really studied this, we grew up in very conservative circles that I would say are very, very complementarian. Um, and at the end of the day, if we can't agree on something, Josh makes the final decision, which makes us complementarian. But we also believe that a healthy complementarian marriage actually looks egalitarian Hmm. because you're not fighting over who's in power. You're not arguing about submission. Um, Submission is literally deferring to the other person, which 
and Peter, it tells husbands to defer to their wives. And then Paul tells wives to defer to their husbands. So love is inherently respectful and respect will be loving. So it's kind of this circle. And I think a lot of Christians have really gotten it so overcomplicated. They don't actually even know how to like walk this out in a marriage. And we had a really, really hard marriage, but I think now what we've learned is like, instead of power struggling, that concept of deferring to one another is actually quite simple. Um, and that makes it easier for us to do. And if I'm truly loving Fi, then I'm putting her needs before my own. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, vice versa. If I'm yeah, if I'm respecting him, I will be doing the same. So in the end, you're literally doing the same thing <laughs> for each other. Right. I love that. And it's you said it's like a circle instead of like this hierarchy of like someone's above and below. It's not that at all. A cycle or a circle. I like that you described it as that. Um, there's a whole episode on that. So I can refer people to that episode because I'm sure there's a lot that you can go into. I think we'll touch on that at the end, like the hard part of your marriage that you just kind of touched on right there. But um, I've had people write in questions um, in the past and one of them has been on the topic of sex and marriage. And we've talked about this in a few past episodes with different couples and um, one of them was about sexual expectations between a husband and a wife. And the wife wanted to know from like a husband. So I was like, Josh, I don't know if this is putting you on the spot too much, but if you and your wife have different sexual expectations, how do you find fulfillment and communicate about those? And if there is a difference in how you guys view that, how do you feel your needs are met if your wife has different sexual expectations than you? Well, you know, things have definitely changed since our first year of marriage where, you know, we were definitely not on the same page and, you know, one was maybe catering to the other. Right. But uh, it's definitely as we have learned from experience and like reactions to certain actions and uh, as well as communicating through it. Uh, kind of voicing some of our needs. We've leveled out, you know, where we've just met each other in the middle. And it's still a journey, you know, it's, it's still a learning experience for us as even in so I think it is definitely important to communicate your needs. And, you know, maybe put a disclosure that you're not trying to like complain or anything, but you can't have this picture in your head of how things should look like. And then just get upset when they don't look that way because the, your partner doesn't know know what you pictured or anything like that. I think it's definitely important to you know set some expectations verbally, and but you want it to be a mutual thing. And we've in different seasons had different expectations, different drives. There, like when Josh was really stressed with his job for a period of time, he was lower drive. Then, you know, when I have had small children, I've been lower drive. So it's gone up and down over the course of seven years. I think the idea that the husband will always be higher drive um, is false. And also about 40% of marriages, the wife is higher drive. Mm. So 
we've had seasons where we actually scheduled sex, like, okay, Thursday nights for sure. And then if Mm -hmm. it happens extra, you know, that's um, awesome. And I think some people might be like once a week, that's so like not a lot, but reality is studies have been shown that couples who have sex once a week are just as happy as couples who have sex five times a week. So it's just the regularity of it, some kind of regularity. Um, And so scheduling that can actually work really well because the lower drive spouse is not disappointed, like what, or excuse me, is not feeling pressured, like what Josh was saying. And the higher drive spouse isn't disappointed or feeling rejected. And it does not take away from spontaneity or any Mm. of the, you know, a lot of people are like, it's um, not spontaneous anymore. You know, the less active spouse has time to mentally prepare for the experience. And, and also you can have like some just known factors that you're going to kind of woo each other throughout the day earlier on mm-hmm. and um, have that to look forward to and make it a treat. And also um, if I was saying that, you know, some people may be like, oh, that's so unromantic. And it's like, well, it's better than just not having your needs met at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like that makes a lot of sense to me because a week can go by so fast. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. It really like you're already like, oh my gosh, it's already next week. And I could see where that would get forgotten maybe if there's other things to be prioritized before that. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Kind of from that place, I was going I'm I'm taking these all from your your um, awesome captions and what you guys have shared in the past on parenting. So I know I'm kind of shifting gears and moving all around, but um, I just feel like these topics I haven't addressed here on this podcast. And it's just something that I feel a lot of parents might wrestle with either because one doesn't agree or the other does, or like there's this disconnect and it's on the topic of Halloween that you guys have chosen to forego celebrating Halloween and I just was wondering how you guys made that decision and that you guys, you guys celebrate, is it all Saints Day, right? Instead? Yes. Yeah. That's a little bit of a more recent addition to our family, but we wanted something that could, um, I don't know, not necessarily replace Halloween, but just be like a fun fall activity that's still connected to our mm-hmm. church heritage. Yeah. I always grew up, our church would have a harvest party at the end of the month. <laughs> yeah, like a Halloween, but not Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you can address it to why you chose not to, because I know why you wouldn't. And I've always thought it'd be cool to have an alternative too to like redirect your mm-hmm. children to something that isn't rooted in so much. Yeah. Well, like, it isn't like there's a lot of evil around that holiday. So if someone's listening that has never even thought about that or isn't a believer or um, why you made that decision and how you guys celebrate, like what you actually do with your family. And then if you face criticism, cause I know that I've had friends who've chosen to do the same, like they don't participate and they got a lot of feet or criticism from different family members or even friends who didn't agree. So how did you guys handle those things as well when making that decision i think coming from like if i especially coming from a ministry background you know like we're fully aware of what halloween is actually meant to be you know it's a pagan holiday where the evil spirits are worshipped in reality so you know we don't really want our kids to blindly celebrate a holiday without knowing what the purpose of it is for and with them knowing that purpose, we don't want them 
worship in the spirits <laughs> even yeah. in you know guests or like even just like oh it's not a big deal you know it's whatever it's just fun it's i do think a lot of people do it for fun without mm-hmm. understanding the implications like it's just an excuse to get dressed up yeah they don't know great, but... they don't know mm-hmm. but we know yeah. so we have to be responsible with that information right and you know we don't judge those who like do you know have parties and stuff because it is like a holiday that people have turned into something to just dress up and have friends over um and we've been to costume parties that are around halloween yeah but you know at the same time we do have to be careful because if i tell adeline our five-year-old like halloween is for worshiping the devil (laughs) you know she's like you know she's like I need to tell my friends that they're worshiping Satan. And we're like, no, we don't do that. You know, so we're very careful in how we talk. It's just like Santa because we don't do Santa either. We we don't present it as like this is this evil, terrible thing. And everyone who is involved is evil. We don't present it that way. We just teach them here. This is what this holiday, you know, is Mm -hmm. generally about. Um, We don't we don't participate in it. But let's talk about, you know, this positive holiday yeah. which is the day after and all and the cool thing is all saints day is ancient it's almost as ancient as i believe it's pronounced some 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 i don't know some i think which is the wiccan holiday that is the origin of most halloween tradition so all saints day um is an ancient church holiday celebrating the martyrs and that's what we concentrate on instead and so it gives like a a really positive way to understand our church history and also give the girls like we do little baskets of treats for all saints day. Mm-hmm. Um, we create our own traditions. We do the same thing with like Valentine's day. We talk about who St. Valentine was or St. Patrick. Um, you can utilize those other small holidays throughout the year to give your family something special without having to jump on the train of, you know, things like Halloween or things like Santa, if that's what your family has chosen. I think it's important to not make it, a taboo thing where it's like oh we don't we don't say halloween you know we don't talk about that and if your friends bring it up don't talk to them (laughs) we don't do that either like you know the girls will go around the house with a blanket on their head and try to scare fire and i and yeah pretend to be a ghost we're not going to like punish them for pretending to be a ghost um so they're aware of what it is and they've you know, seen some of their shows. We try not to let them watch Halloween shows. If there's there's always a Halloween episode, <laughs> they find it. Uh, but you know, like we just try to be like, just watch something else. But it's not, you know, extremely taboo or punishable. Yeah, we try to concentrate on what we're for, not what we're against. In that totally. Order. Now they have this. Is, so you guys do baskets. You say, do you guys focus on like a martyr, or do you talk about that at all with them? We, this time, um, we did a little basket of like candy and like, I think some cakes. And then we, um, we made cupcakes with different Bible characters on them. Cause you know, the Bible characters are saints as well. Um, and so we talked about those different Bible characters and we let them dress up as their favorite Bible character or their favorite, um, church father. And then we had some, our shop that every woman, the a theologian shop has a church father coloring book that families can download. And so we used that for the holiday. So 
there's so much you can do and find online to do for All Saints if it's something your family wants to switch over to. Who was on board first? Was Were you guys both on the same page on the get-go or did you have to like discuss it first? Because that might be hard if there was a spouse saying, you're crazy. What? Why are we not going to let them do this? You know, how how did that conversation go? And would you, I guess you just have to pray for your spouse if that's, if your spouse isn't on board yet about making that transition. Yeah, I think... For us, that was one thing that we found very uh, compatible in one another, that we held the same core values. And I think that's what drew us together the most. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, even if we didn't share so many common interests, we had like common goals for our family and uh, Halloween just wasn't part of it. So... Fia was the one who brought up the All Saints Day as an alternative. So that was something we did just this year with them. Yeah, we we often joke that in our marriage, the hardest thing, and this has been from the beginning, the hardest thing has been for us to find hobbies. Mm-hmm. We both have really struggled with having hobbies that we share, but we've always had very close shared values as far as like our views on the church, our views on gender roles, our views on parenting. We've talked about these things from the beginning. And so that's made a lot of what I think most couples would see as the big ticket issues like finances and kids and family relationships. Those issues have been really easy for us to navigate. We've actually fought more over finding hobbies or things Mm -hmm. to do in our leisure time than anything else. (laughs) We did financial peace when we were dating. Yeah, yeah, I took a class when you were dating, so that made it easier. And then you guys have two daughters, is that right? Mm-hmm. Two daughters. So have you found in our modern day 21st century any specific challenges to raising girls or just kids right now in general? I think it's just such a different time we're living in with raising children. And so what are those challenges or even just one that you found, if if not just a general thing that you're currently walking through in parenthood and just even some fun resources for parents um, that you can maybe point them to that are desiring to raise biblically sound children in this just really loud world. Hmm. Girls. So we have two girls and a boy for girls. I think one of the things I didn't have to deal with growing up that our girls will have to is the sheer volume of exposure to comparison via technology. So, you know, social media and phones, et cetera. Like I got my first cell phone when I was 17. um, And now there's kids who are like eight years old getting cell phones. So we're not doing that, but still it happens. So I think one of my concerns for my girls is just living in that lens of of never measuring up. And so just really being a a home that affirms them for who they are. So they feel like they're getting their affirmation and their value here and they don't have to go hunt for it from other people or social media or boys. And obviously they're really young right now. So we haven't really had to deal with it yet, but it is something that crosses Mm -hmm. my mind. Yeah, I guess we're fortunate in the sense that uh, we aren't going to be public schooling where, you know, there's so much exposure in public school when with no monitoring whatsoever, you know, not that we want to shelter her, but we, you know, don't want to have all of that unnecessary exposure. And when she's just, 
you know, they're just developing their worldviews. So that's one reason we wanted to kind of help teach them in our ways and then, you know, expose them to the world when they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And you had on your site, right, Felicia, about um, like theology for kids. Was that, am I getting that right? Or little books? Yeah, yeah, actually. So we have a little ebook called Raising Tiny Disciples that kind of summarizes our philosophy. Um, and it's just on like a general philosophy of teaching your kids about God. It has nothing to do with like homeschool or public school or anything like that. It's just for like a Deuteronomy based structure for teaching your kids about God and the gospel. And that is in our shop. Yeah, I saw that. It looked super cute. And the heart of your guys' platform is to help um, women and would you say men or is it geared toward women specifically? It's mostly geared toward women, but we we definitely have husbands um, and boyfriends who are aware of what we do. And we are always thinking about ways that we could maybe provide more resources for those husbands and boyfriends. So mostly women, but we have men who hang around the edges. <laughs> yeah, Fi right. talks about the Bible and the Bible is for both men and women. So totally. there you go. That's a perfect answer. I think it's funny too, though, that the demographic is this age group of mainly predominantly women. Cause maybe they're on social media more. I don't know if that has anything to do yeah, with it. I don't they're know. Just, it's they're amazing. Like, yeah. They're more women maybe i don't know driven to to uh consume that like christian lifestyle content hmm. right yeah your guys's heart is to help them become more biblically literate so how would you encourage or how do you guys encourage them um just from your background because you went to liberty both of you went to liberty and is that right that's you guys met at liberty yep. i don't want to misspeak but so you guys were there and um was it you got your degree in theology felicia or what did you guys get your degrees in specifically? Mine is in religion. Oh, and okay. I went for computer engineering. Oh, awesome. So I'm sure you have just resources on there that people can find as they scour through your inner, or through your website. But if they're having a hard time getting in the word themselves, what do you suggest for getting the most out of their time in God's word? Well, for women, we have a lot of resources on the blog, free and paid that can help them with this. But ultimately, I think the big thing to remember is if you wait for it to be perfect or look like an Instagram quiet time, you'll never do it. So the point is that you're drawing near to God through your time in the word, not that you have all the highlighters and the coffee and the perfect notebook. So you know, whether that is just reading a passage every day and praying for a few minutes as you start out, or eventually you start getting commentaries and taking notes, whatever it is, you just have to start somewhere. Don't wait yeah. for it to be perfect. I agree. As you know, some who procrastinates and falls off the bus repeatedly, uh, I think the best thing to do is um, to just get in the word. And whether you just start reading the Psalms a day or a Proverbs a day, uh, you know, it's important to get the word in because there are so many devotionals out there. You can just read through devotional after devotional and never actually read the Bible. And so it, it is important to make sure if you are doing one that it has uh, scripture references you can look up and 
you know, use that as a guide of what part of the Bible to read if you're wondering where to start. But you always want to incorporate the word in your studies and you know, God will guide you through that. Yeah, I remember when I first rededicated my life, this is back in 2013, I could not get enough of like commentaries and I had my journal next to me and it wasn't, yeah, the perfect Instagram worthy. It was just me and my journal and my tea. I did have tea. I wasn't a coffee drinker. <laughs> I've, I've adapted to coffee, but I loved commentaries. It was so helpful to uncover and like help answer some of those questions I was coming up with as I was reading. Do you have a, um, a recommended commentary that you really like? Well, it depends on what what the reader wants. I usually say um, whole Bible commentaries really can't spend a lot of time on certain issues that need time. So I usually recommend um, a book, a commentary on the specific book, which most people's pastors have access to, or a study Bible, because a study Bible can offer that content for you as you read. Um, And just to close, to pose a question from one of your blog posts that you guys revisit every anniversary, the question um, you had written was, how do you talk about the goodness of marriage while still being honest about the hard? And I thought that was so profound. So I was wondering if you guys could answer that. Well, I think so. Josh and I've been pretty honest that like we said earlier, we've been married almost seven years. And some people say, oh, seven years is when you get like the seven year itch. And we've kind of joked that like, there will be no seven year itch because our seven years was just so dang hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we're finally getting to like, oh, it's, it's easier now. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't ever want to present marriage as like, oh, it stinks. It's so hard. It's, you know, miserable, but we also don't want to present it as like, it's rosy and easy. And, you know, it's just great all the time because it's been both of those things at different periods of time. So it's kind of like you kind of have to go back and forth between sharing both sides. That's the only thing I've ever been able to see is sometimes you have to share about the heart and sometimes you share the good and the great. And just seeing that it doesn't make it always easy. It doesn't make it always hard. It's this weird balance of both. And that is what actually shapes you as a person and shapes your marriage into something lasting. Hmm. I don't know. What would yeah. you say? I think there is no such thing as an unintentional marriage because that's just called divorce. Uh, so it's just along the whole way has been us just constantly coming back and coming back to be intentional that we're going to be with each other. We're going to make it work. And if the good times come, then we enjoy them. And um, otherwise, you know, we just support one another through the experience. Yeah, we've definitely had periods where we, we looked at each other and we said, you know, we understand why people get divorced. We really, really felt lonely, both of us very isolated, um, like we didn't have any support. Um We've been to counseling and that made a huge difference, but overall we would just encourage, I think that get counseling. First of all, don't wait till you're in a crisis to get counseling, get it now so that you can communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Preventative maintenance and then follow their advice, do what they say. And, um, that has made a big difference for us in just overall communicating and 
honoring one another's feelings and emotions because that was a huge problem in the first couple years. And as that has improved, it's really helped us to bear up under just the wild ride that we've had for seven years of, you know, three kids under five and becoming self-employed and, um, you know, running a business while we're homeschooling and raising three little kids, your marriage, it, you know, has to survive that somehow. And it can't survive if you just think it'll automatically survive. Like Josh said, there's no such thing as, um, you know, an unintentional marriage. It just can't, that can't exist. So yeah, yeah we've I had think to as well, um, you know, I was, I was told by a friend that, um, like I was showed a diagram of a man and a woman on two sides of a triangle and God at the top. Mm. And as you grow closer to God, you grow closer to one another. And, you know, as simple as that may sound and, you know, it's all cliche and all that, but it's, it's very true. And I think that's when we are at our most fulfilled state and our um, happiest state together is when we are dwelling in the word and growing in the Lord. Uh, We are also growing closer together. Well, thank you guys so much. This is just a brief overview of everything. There's so much more we could talk about, about marriage and um, parenting and all the different things, but that's why... I will send them to where you guys have all your resources. So where can listeners connect with you and just a a plug for your podcast too, where they can find you and listen there. Yeah, they can find the podcast on iTunes or any podcast app. It's called Verity with Felicia Masonheimer. And then our website is in my name, FeliciaMasonheimer.com. So the Every Woman a Theologian shop with all of our eBooks, all of our merchandise. We do a shop four times a year with t-shirts and sweatshirts and gift items and things like that. Um, that is on my website, FeliciaMasonheimer.com. And then I'm also on social media. So pretty easy to find. And we're always happy to hear from people and hear, um, you know, what they're enjoying from our shop or what kind of content they want to see on the blog and things like that. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to be here and share part of your story and just your hearts with us and opening up just a vulnerable topic. Marriage can be kind of vulnerable, I know, but I enjoy listening to you guys. Thank you for having us. Be sure to follow on Instagram at The Marriage Project Co. or check out the website www.themarriageproject.co to see all the photos that accompany each testimony behind each matrimony. And be sure to subscribe for the community newsletter to get each episode sent directly to your inbox.